hello and welcome to episode 12. Today my guest is Trayvon Davis. He has proven to be quite elusive until now because he always seems to be involved in something for our students. Today I was able to slow him down for a little heart-to-heart -heart on reading. Trayvon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you. I'm so glad to finally be doing this. <laughs> Trayvon, tell me a little bit about your, your background uh, as an educator, what you bring to us here at Okamic. Okay. And bring to our students in regards to reading conversations. Okay, okay. Um, I, I always like to start off where I was born and raised. I was born and raised locally. Um, so that really has a lot to do with just my, my take on education because um, I like to tell my students I've gone to the schools that you guys have attended or heard of, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I graduated from Dunbar High School. Um, again, born and raised here. I also went to college here as well. Um, when I was coming up in school, um, I read a lot, but I feel like I was also in a generation where reading was the thing. My fun place was always the library. You know, when it was Friday after school, I'd go to the library. Um, didn't have my personal computer. I'd use the computers at home. We'd get booked on the circulation desk, et cetera, et cetera. So I like to take a lot of the stories that um, I know from my past and kind of integrate those into my lessons and bring that stuff up in the classroom. Because a lot of my kids in this generation, they don't know about it. So it sounds like, well, I know you're probably the, the Harry Potter generation that yes. there where reading, <laughs> yeah, reading became like buzzworthy. It was, mm -hmm. it was really cool to watch that where kids were waiting in line and staying up at midnight to go to a book release. Yes. Uh, and, and sadly we've lost that and yes. we, we don't, nobody has picked up the mantle uh, of JK Rawlings and, and that mm -hmm. Harry Potter generation. Um, and I, I would love to see, the evolution of reading and, and find out and, and see another book step into that role and we just haven't seen it yet awesome yeah i think a lot of it is people trying to copy the harry potter instead of trying to be original and, and everybody's trying to be the next harry potter instead of being just right. focusing on quality storytelling mm -hmm. so your reader origin story uh i know you you, you throw a little bit into there in your background but mm -hmm. Uh, for what were some of those titles? What were some of those titles that captured you as a reader? Did you, was there lots of reading at home available to you? Was there a teacher who helped to nurture reading for you? Or did you, uh, were you a product of, as you said earlier, the environment? Yeah, so um, great, 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 great question. Um, I'll be honest with you. I didn't grow up in an environment where there was a lot of rich print. Um, I pretty much got just thrown into reading when it comes to my teachers. So when I was in elementary, I went to Allen Park Elementary. Um, it's off of 41. And I was actually tested for gifted my, my first grade year. I remember it. And they used to like pull us out and put us in this group called MWA. Um, and it was like with like-minded students. And after that, I got placed in the gifted in second grade. Well, being in the gifted classes really pushed me to read higher level books. Honestly, I was reading books um, that kind of bypassed the reading level of my peers from home. So there wasn't a lot of reading accessible to me at home. What really got me into reading, like you mentioned Harry Potter, I'll be completely honest with you, was definitely J.K. Rowling. But I also have to mention um, the Lord of the Rings series, the Two Towers, etc. Um, the Lemony Snicket books, I was reading those like clockwork because those also were, were coming out around that time. And I recall being in fifth grade and having a kind of like a 
I want to say it's an autobiography. It is autobiography. It's Gifted Hands by Ben Carson. Um, and I had a mentor at the time who gave me that book to read. And it was a difficult read for me. There was a lot of words in there that I didn't quite understand, but I persisted with it. And I used to use that book just as motivation to kind of um, stay up with my studies, et cetera, et cetera. So it was really school for me, honestly. Um, I'm sitting, I, I got, I went from being in a gen ed classroom environment to now being in a gifted environment and being in that environment kind of just pushed me to read because that was the norm. Everybody was doing that. And how do you, uh, how do you make time for reading now? You're, you're here, you are as a, as I mentioned earlier, you've got your hands in a lot of lot of cookie jars uh, here in our building right now. Uh, how do you make time to squeeze in reading now? So honestly, my reading time comes from Audible. You know, thanks Audible. I can play it in the car. But our breaks, you know how we are as educators. We all have 50 million things to do. So over the summer, I like to go and get me a summer reading list. I usually post it up on Facebook. And I always want to start off with 10 titles. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to get through all 10 last summer. But I'm going to have my summer reading list. And then I'll read a little bit over spring break. And um, I like to read books that I kind of see on social media. I follow some reading groups. Because... Um, as we're always teaching books, so I constantly read YA novels in school, but when I'm off on breaks, I kind of like to dive more deeply into things that I'm interested in. And you mentioned creating reading groups, uh, and that's something that we uh, we could, obviously we could make room for that in our own building for our students mm -hmm. and making that accessible for them, because uh, uh, we do book battle and things mm -hmm. like that, but... Uh, creating these groups for kids to discuss uh, literature is a it's a win-win. Yes. Um, all right, it's time for a game. We're going to play a game called Real or Reddit. The okay. premise of the game is that you present two scenarios. You're going to present them as if you actually did them in real life, but one of them is going to be something you read about in a book. So we're trying to blur the lines between something you did and something you read. Okay. We want our, ultimately, we want our students to... Uh, feel like when they read a book that it's a place they went, a person they met, an experience they had, rather than just flipping the pages of a book. So, Trey, what do you got for me today? All right. So, um, when I was a kid, I used to find solace in my room just by myself um, with my writing, my music, etc. And my parents ended up sending me on a trip. So I went on a trip, and it come, comes to, come to find out I was the only child on that boat. And the boat was kind of like a long trip, so um, I don't like water. I was getting extremely seasick. And on the way to my destination, I ended up finding out that I was not being taken where I was supposed to be, and I almost got kidnapped. And also, I had took a trip to Mexico. And I was having fun in the jungle. I was on four-wheelers, just going left, right. And right when I got ready to turn to park the four-wheeler, I flew up a tree. The four-wheeler flipped back, fell on my arm, and broke my arm. Wow. Wow. Quite the quite the adventure adventurer here. <laughs> I, wow. I, I don't, that is, uh, let's see, almost kidnapped broken arm while in Mexico on a four-wheeler. Mm -hmm. Wow, I'm going to go with I'm going to I'm going to venture to say that you were um, 
it sounds outrageous, but I want to say you were almost kidnapped. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why I'm drawn to that. Like, I, you know, uh, I just, you know, I, I know that, that, that sometimes, you know, these things happen in the real world. Uh, I'm going to go with option A is the real experience. I'm not sure about four-wheeling in Mexico. <laughs> so, okay, uh, how, so how'd I do? No. Option A is not the real experience. <laughs> it's option oh. B. I did break my arm on a four-wheeler in Mexico. Oh, oh well, we're, we're <laughs> I'm glad that it was only your arm. I've heard some, I've heard some stories about four-wheeler accidents that did not end up that well. <laughs> yes, no, option A is um, actually one of my favorite YA novels, True Confessions of Charlotte Doyle. Thank you for providing the source material for that story. So now <laughs> what does a reading culture mean to you? Like, so Miss McMillan said she wants a reading culture in our building. And I think all of us in our heads have this, uh, the basic idea framework of it. But what does it mean for you as a language arts teacher and your background? What does that mean for you? Okay. When, it, when I think of reading culture, I'm thinking of... Um, students in classrooms doing projects or project-based units. I'm thinking of students giving like little book trailers on the news, things like that. I'm thinking of books being accessible to them, not only in the library, but also on each one of our floors. I'm thinking of kids constantly going to teachers asking for book recommendations. I'm just thinking about when, when I think of a reading culture, I'm thinking about us placing I don't want to say more of a focus on books aside from technology, but even utilizing technology to kind of get students interested in books. Um, the thing is, is this generation that we teach, they're just not interested in reading that print, that text to print, um, or just reading. And, and it's getting them into that, uh, especially when it comes to the shows and the movies that they watch. We know that a lot of them were books first, or they're now being turned into books. Absolutely. So you, you mentioned the disinterest from our students today as a hurdle that we're facing. How do we overcome that disinterest? I mean, you said you're, you're, you're focusing on the movies they watch, the TV they watch, the video games they're playing. Uh, is there any other approaches or how, how do we overcome this obstacle? Because that's a big obstacle. Mm -hmm. It is, it is. My philosophy is um, honestly kind of just lighting the torch. And when I say lighting the torch, I mean, we, it goes back to relationship building with the kids. And, you know, the kids, they fall in love with us. They fall in love with our classes. And when we find things interesting, not everybody, but sometimes they will follow, you know. And even if I have a few kids that will follow, that that's fine with me. So that's kind of how, that's my take on it. That's my direction in my classroom. Um, I can make the most boring things sound Super elaborate, you know. It, it's it's really showing my interest in these books and kind of pulling that into my lessons, into bell work, into early finisher assignments, um, to try to get them interested in things. Yeah, we had a uh, a little bit of a Florida frost uh, the last couple of days, where I know the rest of the country was in a deep freeze. Yes, and, and our temperatures here in Florida did dip a little bit. Yeah. But my <laughs> wife and I decided to uh, start a fire in the fire pit. Mm -hmm. And when you're building a fire, you have to. You know, you're, you you ignite it from several points. You don't just put your put your flame in one spot right. and hope that everything catches fire. You have to, you know, have a few spots where you where you start the fire. And I think with a reading culture, 
if you are lighting that fire in your class and somebody else down the hall is lighting the fire in their class, yes. then eventually we're going to have a blaze. Mm -hmm. But it's really a slow build if only if only one if only if only Trayvon is the only person right. with a flame on that fire yes. trying to stoke it. So you know, I think we have a ways to go. I think we're, we're we have some the, the pieces in in position for a reading culture, but we really uh, it's it's going to be a, a united effort from all of our teachers. Right. How are you promoting a reading culture in your classroom? I know you mentioned uh, some of the things like doing book trailers and project-based learning. Uh, what are some of the things you've done in your classroom to to you know for your to do your part for this reading culture? Okay, so I'll be completely honest with you. I'm trying something different right now, and I'm going to let let you know how it goes in a couple of weeks. So, um, grading AI has been a it's been a task it's been a daunting task because i have so many students who are deciding to opt out of it unfortunately and it wasn't until i spoke with even the students in my ib class to where they discussed their their disinterest in ar or even participating in it um, like they used to because reading is being attached to a grade they feel as if they're being forced to read um, and they're not able to actually sit down there and enjoy books. And to be honest with you, even as a as a te not not as a teacher, but as a reader, as a lover of books myself, I really understood what they were talking about. So, you know, in my head, I was like, okay, how can I get them reading? How can I just get them to enjoy reading without the FSA practice, without the articles, you know, without the chunking of the text, et cetera, et cetera. And um, I thought. I started by going online. I found a website that had a plethora of PDF files with some of the most popular Sunshine State readers, YA novels, and I got a bunch of them, threw them all in my Google Classroom. I did a reader interest survey with my kids um, on Google Forms to see what they were interested in, and I was able to chop it down to three novels per class, depending on their interests. So I gave my kids that Google Form, and I let them all vote on a novel. And what that was is our class novel reading time. So about two days a week um, for Bell Work, all we do is read that class novel. I have the physical copy. I have like one, extra, one additional copy in my room, and they all have the PDF files. What happens is, is that morning it looks like um, I'll go ahead on the smart board, I'll bring the cover of the book up so they automatically know to go ahead and turn to that page. And I'll walk around the room with the novel. They'll have the PDF file. I have a student up there um, on the podium kind of scrolling down for us. I give them participation points. I ask them of only one rule, um, be completely engulfed into what we're doing. All I'm asking you to do is listen. Because even though we teach middle school, I felt like if I kind of took a step back and read to the kids, um, that they would enjoy it. And, you know, I know once they constantly increase grade levels, a lot of the things from their foundational experience gets taken away from them, i.e. reading to them or allowing them to choose books or readings just simply based on their interests. So I decided to put that back into my classroom. So far, no lie, it has been going amazingly like amazingly um we're all at about chapter eight in our books and each class is doing something different so that's the best thing um my three four period is reading the fawn on our stars my five six period is reading a book called on the come up by angie stone my seven eight period is reading the hate you give by the same author angie stone um and then my nine ten period is reading dear martin 
and then two of those books are movies. Some of the kids have seen them, seen them some of them have not. So um, I allowed them to choose those books completely off of interest, and yeah, two days a week, and um, it's it's they're into it. They're really really into it. Yeah, a couple couple of things I pulled from that. Number one, I love the technology integration with the using the, the student surveys with Google Forms because I think in 2021 we we've all got to find ways to use that technology to work with us and not you know and to our benefit. And you're using it for the surveys and getting yes. that information. Second thing, I, I it's just when the choices you're giving, uh, student choice is such a huge thing right now, and. It's out, you know, you're giving them that choice so that to, they're not, they don't feel like, they feel like they chose, they opted for that. Yes. Choice. But no, you mm-hmm. kind of, we know that behind yeah. the scenes, <laughs> you know, you are, you know, <laughs> kind of like the man behind the curtain in the Wizard of Oz. Uh-huh. Uh, but they, they, as long as they feel like they had a choice, then yeah. that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, it's it's it seems like I I'm, I would look forward to getting an update from you on how this is going in the next couple of weeks. Yes, um, you know we could do a follow up with that. Seeing these kids doing that, that's that's awesome. And I, and I also want to add in there that you were saying that kids like to be read to, mm-hmm. and we kind of think that even we think oh well they're middle schoolers or even I've heard high school teachers saying would they sit down and read a book with kids? Mm-hmm. How they're all kind of they're engrossed in yeah. the experience and and a moment ago you mentioned you you're listening to audible what's the difference you know if as adults we are we find yep. uh comfort in listening to a book in our cars having somebody read it to us mm-hmm. why are we then judging kids who are saying the kids will not listen to us if we want to read yes. we all like to be read to even mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm almost 50 years old and i like i listen to audible i yes. enjoy, you know so I love it, and like I said, I'll, do, I'll, I'll definitely follow up with you on that. I want to get into a topic that was brought up uh, by Ashley Thigpen, and I, I, I wanted to, to just hear your thoughts on it. Um, classroom libraries are something that have become a tenant of reading culture in our buildings, and all of us as language art teachers, we, we want to make sure we have books available to our kids mm-hmm. uh, when they need them. Um, however, many of us are now realizing that we need to start taking an inventory of the titles we have on our shelves mm-hmm. uh, in, in light of um, kind of an awakening in the past year. It, it matters what books are on your shelf. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a lot of us, we, we looked for quantity over quality and we started you know, scouring Goodwill for discount books and we looked for yard sale scores and mm-hmm. uh, hand-me-downs from retiring teachers. Uh, anything yes. we could to build up that library, mm-hmm. or, or and often we we bought books that interested us and yes. didn't really think about what the kids might like. Mm-hmm. But now more than ever, these our students it's, we're realizing it's quality over quantity, and our mm-hmm. students need to see themselves yes in the books that they that they're reading. And and for many of us, it that involves taking a you know a little reflecting and taking a hard you know look at what we what we have on our shelves. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts on, on the attention being placed right now, and rightfully so, on representation in literature and, and students find it, having access to books that where they can see themselves in them? Okay. I think, I, I think representation definitely matters. Um, as a minority teacher, honestly, that's really important to me. Um, but you, you mentioned something that kind of like 
really resonated with me um, in picking or choosing books that we're interested in. So, you know, being of the black culture, I tend to really look for for books that include um, African-American protagonists, um, whether it's boys or girls. But honestly, when we're talking about reading culture um, as a teacher, maybe a year or two ago, I kind of had to take a step back and think about the culture of our school. So I started to integrate different novels um, or just like even nonfiction titles that that focus on Hispanic countries and things like that or may have, you know, some of that English Spanish flip in there. Like sixth grade, we read a book called The Jumping Tree. Um, and that book does center around the, the Hispanic culture. But we read a short story. So I was like, oh, let me get the book or Esperanza Rising or things like that. So I think that representation is, is, is awesome because for me as a student, especially as when I was a minority student, um, I always loved when teachers would introduce me to books um, where I, I saw characters that looked like me or spoke like me, et cetera. Yeah, and, and we have to recognize, as you, as you said a moment ago, that the reality is for our building, and, and this isn't every building, but for our buildings, over 70% of our students are Hispanic. Yes. And you look at our bookshelves, and I am a, uh, and I had to look at mine and going, um, I'm a little, you know, unbalanced mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Right? And so it goes back to you doing your surveys with students and, and talking to them about uh, things, books that might interest them. And I know some teachers have whatever we do at book fairs, and I know this year because of COVID, we haven't had a book fair yet, but mm -hmm. uh, asking their students, you know, hey, after going through the book fair, what are some titles that interested you and, and, mm -hmm. and having them give their feedback on what books they buy? Because I know I'm guilty in the past. I bought books at book fair that I'm like, oh, this looks interesting for me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> so, and it's not just, it's, it's, uh, it's gender, it's yeah. race, it, you know, and, and also it's, it's the role as well. Um, Kids need uh, kids of every color need to see themselves as the hero. Honestly, um, yeah. We want to make sure you don't have a bunch of books where um, African Americans, it, a bunch of history books on slavery. Yes. Which we need those stories, mm -hmm. but you know, there's got to be a point where where a, a young uh, black student sits there and go, "Wait a minute, where's yeah. the hero? Where's yeah. the you know? Mm -hmm. I want that story where I am the hero." And right. you know, so um, and there and. Kudos to the the YA culture right now in in literature. There are, are books on every yes. you know, representing every group, and it is it's really kind of you mentioned earlier the kind of the renaissance of reading that you grew up in with Harry Potter. I think now in twenty twenty one, it's reading is marked by representation. Uh, during that time when you were, when you were reading, it was. It was like you said that inundation with the, that reading culture. Now it's mm -hmm. it's the titles are there. We just need to get right. kids access to them. So, right. Uh, what what books are you reading right now? Uh, or I should say, what listening to right now? <laughs> is there a book you have uh, currently in the queue on Audible, or is there something that you are sneaking in every when you get a spare minute? It is. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm embarrassed to say that I have not been able to finish Becoming by Michelle Obama. That woman is so motivational to me. And I was so interested in learning about her story. And, you know, I'm I'm a little bit, I'm all, almost halfway through it. 
Um, but I started a while ago, so I've, <laughs> I should be finished with it by now. But in just learning about her and, you know, her amazing career and, and her strides for success and how kind of in a way she had to place a lot of that on hold um, to accompany her husband, you know, with his presidency. It was just amazing listening to her story. So I'm reading that. And then I watched this show on Hulu, um, Little Fires Everywhere, that I realized was a book first. So that that's next. Well, we, 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 we don't shame anybody here for taking longer than, than what might be suggested for what, how long a book should take. Kind of like as long as you're reading something and you pick it up when you have, when you, when you have an opening, that, that's all that matters. Yeah. We have a little kind of thing we do here near, near the end of our interviews here where you have a chance to call out one of your colleagues for, to be interviewed for a future episode. But I have since added an additional topic to that, and, and that is that either if you don't want to call somebody out, you can put forth a suggestion for a future discussion on reading so that kind of somebody can pick up the ball and run with in a, in a future episode. So do you have somebody out there who, who needs to have their, uh, uh, their story told on the podcast, or is there a, a topic for discussion that you'd like to hear in a future episode? Santa Ma, you know that I don't, I don't mind, I don't like to bite my tongue, so I have somebody to call out. I really, really, really would love to hear about um, just the reading story of Miss Barbell. Um, she's right next door to me. She teaches AVID as well, and she's really been kind of like a mentor to me since I started Aerocamic. So I would love to hear about her reading story. And, and now that you bring her up, that is definitely something I would, I think I would enjoy hearing as well. <laughs> and I know that she's got, you know, that just a different background yeah. uh, culturally as well. Mm -hmm. So I think yes. that's a, that is a great story. All right. Well, Trey, it has been a pleasure having you. And I'm so glad that we were able to squeeze in uh, a few minutes here to have this discussion. Because I, I know that you are uh, probably have some place to run to once we're done here. I know you've got kids <laughs> that are kids that you're responsible for right now at school. Uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast and thank you for sharing uh, your reading uh, your reading story with the audience. Thank you. This was amazing and you've motivated me to finish reading Becomings. <laughs> Hi everybody, thank, thank you. you for uh, joining us for episode 12. Be good to each other. Thank you.